And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome back to the Don't Be Crazy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zachary. Welcome to Apes Day. Apes Day, my favorite day. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, we even have a special guest who is a subject matter expert when it comes to apes and chimpanzees and gorillas. Not gorillas, but gorillas. And uh, his name is Rob. You guys know him as Ed Digifluid because we talk about him all the time, especially in our sleep on the Twitters there. It's amazing. <laughs> but Rob, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm fabulous. I got no complaints. I'm talking apes, and I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I got the day off tomorrow. I can do this as long as you want. Sweet. <laughs> we just talked for like 14 goddamn hours on The Godfather these last I know. I listened to it all. Because <laughs> Justin wouldn't shut up about The Godfather 3. He, oh, said it was yeah. like, he has the Criterion collection. Yeah, like it's in the mail and stuff. So yeah, he's, uh, he's excited about that one. That is not <laughs> even true. I am not the fan. I will not be buried with The Godfather Part 3. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so, why don't you tell... So, Rob, this is your first time on the show. We talk about you all the time. But um, one thing we like to do is ask, what are, what are we watching or what do you recommend? Uh, so, why don't you go first? What have you been watching? Well, uh, I have watched three Godfathers in the last week, so oh. there's that. Oh. Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> uh, I recommend strongly two of them. Um uh, what else have I watched lately? One and three? Yeah. Those are the only good ones, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else have I watched lately? I watched A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, it was not bad. Um, it was decent. Uh, I'm not sure a sequel was really necessary, but it was fun anyway. Did you enjoy the first one? I did enjoy the first one quite a lot, actually. And you know what? There, there was nothing wrong with the second one. It's just kind of the way the first one ended. I thought, okay, that's a good place to stop. But... <laughs> You know what? It wasn't bad. It was. It felt very natural. It felt like it was just, you know, following the same characters over the next couple of days. So it worked. It was still good. Um, what else have I watched lately? Uh, oh, I finally got around to watching the original version of Ghost in the Shell. Um, the, animated, uh, the anime movie from, I don't know, 93 or whatever it was. Sure. Uh, it's one of those movies that I just never got around to seeing, and when I watched it, I think last week, I was kicking myself because uh, Kid or Teenager Rob would have really, really appreciated that movie a whole hell of a lot, so to not get around to it now, until now was kind of a mistake. <laughs> uh, and uh, this little show on Netflix called Midnight Diner, uh, it's this Japanese TV show, and it's just... Uh, I actually turned it on in the first place because I was bored and just looking for some cooking show to kill some time. <laughs> but uh, it turned out to be this show about uh, just this little diner somewhere in Tokyo. And it's just people drifting in with their little daily life problems. And they sort through it in the episode. And the next episode is someone else entirely with a whole different life story. And 
it's not usually my usual vibe, but uh, it really sucked me in. Sweet. Sucked you in like the movie Stay Tuned. Like, like, a, like a tractor beam. <laughs> <laughs> I like how your tractor beam sound is different than mine. It's like in Arrested Development when everyone's got a different chicken. Chalky, chalky. So ridiculous. Yeah, and that's that's all me lately. Sweet. I'm excited. I... I are you looking forward to A Quiet Place 2? I've seen Ghost in the Shell, and um, I don't know about Midnight Diner, but I'll, I'll check it out. I do like a good midnight dinner, so maybe I'll watch it. But <laughs> There you go. The two. I'm going to sign up for a Paramount Plus, just a free trial, just so I can watch A Quiet Place 2. And then they also have all the Twilight Zone um, episodes, so I'll probably do that. Ooh, have you? Are you a big Twilight Zone fan? Mm-hmm. Okay. I enjoy it. Good stuff, you, as yeah. you should be. So there right. was one episode I saw where this guy that he had to like wind this clock or he was going to die. Mm-hmm. It's like a grandfather clock. And uh, it was really weird. I, I think it was a, twi- uh, a Twilight Zone. Uh, maybe you guys remember it, but it was like this thing where he had to wind it every single day because if the clock stopped and he was going to die. That's not familiar. Uh, kind of. If it uh, wasn't Twilight Zone, it was probably Outer Limits. Outer Limits? Yeah. Okay. So, Zach, why don't you go ahead and watch all the Twilight Zone it's called, episodes? It's called 90 Years Without Slumbering. It's uh, Season 5, Episode 12. I just looked it up. Oh, but, okay. Uh, fast. Yeah. He fears that when his when the, when his grandfather's clock stops ticking, his own life will end. So he has to keep winding it. Wow. Yeah. If you will it, dude, there is no dream. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> if you dream right, it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez uh so mr zachary why don't you tell us what you've been watching so it took me a while i don't know why i took a hiatus but uh oh i know why because um ted lasso is an amazing show and i watched the first like six episodes on my laptop once when i was on a flight because that is what i have apple tv plus through uh the other one would be my phone and it doesn't cast to my tv so i think that was the biggest turnoff for me is i couldn't cast it to my tv but I finally got around to it because I know that season two started, uh, I think, last week. And it's such a great show. It's so good. I, I It's only 10 episodes. They go by really quick. And it's just like a very wholesome performance by Jason Sudeikis. So I absolutely love Ted Lasso. And I, so I finished it the other day. You can't uh, just use your Xbox Series X for Apple TV. Oh, shit. Maybe I can. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Wow. <laughs> the more you know. Samsonite. <laughs> I was way off. I'm going to start an S, though. Uh, okay, cool. Well, there we go. And then um, I... Well, actually, shit, you know what? My Apple TV Plus ends in like three days, so maybe there's no point, but whatever. So anyways, I watched uh, Terminator 2. I've seen it probably a bajillion times, but I absolutely love it. I keep it on in the background. And... Um, I thought the funniest part in that movie was when the Terminator calls out John Connor when he's starting to cry. He goes, why is your face like that? Or why are you leaking or whatever? And he's like, they're called tears because I'm sad. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he completely <laughs> calls him out. He's like, why are you crying, bitch? <laughs> so, I thought my that favorite, was funny. My favorite line in that movie is, say, that's a nice bike. <laughs> I just love that. Every Weird. time I see somebody on a motorcycle, I say, even if I don't like the bike. She's not my mom, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Your foster Todd, parents are dead. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in Candyman. Is he really? Yeah, he's the boyfriend. He's the, he's the bad guy in La Femme Nikita. That's if true. you ever watch that. Yeah, that means 
the Nikita woman. Yeah, I think he was in. Uh, he was one of the guys at uh, one of those camps in Walking Dead too. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He yeah. was. He was um, uh, Gregory. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, he's a little bitch in that movie or in that show. Oh he my does god, that was part he ever? Pretty well. He does a little bitch. <laughs> he gets killed in like everything I've seen I him know. in. <laughs> That's funny. He's the Sean Bean of the 90s. Yeah, I'll take it. And then then I I did watch a couple episodes of The Twilight Zone because I didn't realize Rod Serling uh, wrote this movie that we were about to talk about. So just got got up on it. They have them on YouTube or you can just find them online at places. And then um, I dove into The Matrix uh, Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. And I used to hate those movies. But as I got older, I really appreciate them more. And so I think uh, it'll be a little more topical as we kind of discuss this film coming up. But um, I really had a fun time with them. They're uh, sure they're not perfect films. I mean, nothing will touch The Matrix, the first one. But uh, in terms of this trilogy, but um, but I still enjoyed them for the most part. I think uh, even at the time it was released, the the only thing that really kind of weirded me out in Matrix 2 was his fight with I hated Smith. the CG. Oh, yeah, it looks so, so video gamey even in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> you should watch the pitch meeting for for both of those. He's like, we're going to make some CGI, but ba- basically it's going to look like crap the entire time or something. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that sounds great. Let's run with that. They're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that really bugs me. Yeah. And I then really, at the I really very, like very the... end of three when the kid's like, I believe in you, Neo, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really like that second one a lot, though. Third mm-hmm. one didn't really do much for me, but the second one's a lot of fun. Ergo mm-hmm. vis-a-vis accordingly and the freeway chase is one of the best cool. ever oh yeah that's yeah. so cool pro yeah. tip do not put that soundtrack on in your car if you're driving on the highway oh yeah okay. <laughs> do you get turned into an agent yeah. start wrecking everybody no, you might get a speeding ticket whoa. Oh, yeah. whoa i just listened to depeche mode when i'm speeding so yeah now we're talking People, people. <laughs> yeah, they are a bunch of fuckers too, man. No, they're apes. That's what they are. Uh, damn dirty apes. Uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, that's quite quite the the lineup that you had there, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Action. Yeah. All right. Um, I just been watching. I watched uh, Beneath Planet of the Apes like the same day I watched Planet of the Apes. I don't, I just was in the mood, I guess. And then uh, I've been watching a lot of the Olympics. Uh, plowed through Project Runway season eighteen. And loved it. And uh, of course, I had to watch The Hateful Eight this week because it's been a week. And so I had to do that. And then uh, Master of the Universe Revelation. I watched that last night. I actually really enjoyed it. Everyone's like freaking out about it and like, oh, where's He-Man? It's a He-Man show. And it's like, well, it says Master of the Universe technically. It's all, it's okay if He-Man's not in it for very much. But people are freaking out, losing their shit. But I actually really enjoyed it. So check it out on the Netflix. It's only five episodes right now. But if you got a moment, I think they're 25 minutes each. So give it a go. It's pretty good. And uh, that's pretty much all I have. So you guys ready to talk about this movie? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going to do Planet of the Apes from 1968. It was directed by Franklin J. Uh, what is that? Schaffner. And who you might know from Patton and Papillion and the boys from Brazil. Brazil. And then you have it was written by for all you fast and furious five brands out there. Uh, Still a buster. (laughs) Written by Michael Wilson and Rod Sterling, or Sterling rather, uh, based on the novel by Pierre Boulle from 1963. A French boy. So, Rob, you're in Canada. Do you speak uh, French? Do you parlez-vous français? Uh, not really. No, um, it's mandatory for for uh, grade four to grade nine here, but um, I'm kind of a 
contrary person who's not very good at doing what I'm told. Uh, so, so I dropped it as soon as I could, and ninth grade was a very long time ago. Um, but I mean, everything up here, like uh, every label is half in English and half in French, and I understand enough to read the French side of the label, but uh, I could not carry on a conversation to save my life. Right. So if you were to call like the, the center for like poison control, you would hit the option for English instead of oh. French. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> not not the chemicals are not, not, <laughs> not the chemical names are written in English anyway, but you know, that's true. Je m'appelle Justin. Je ne sais pas. I put the chocolate in pan of chocolate. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Where was I? Uh, the cast includes Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Lou Wagner. Which, by the way, those last two are the only two humans from this movie that are still alive. Just throwing that out there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that is that, of course, is not counting the uncredited extras. There are still nine of those still alive. I, I was kind of bored and I counted them all on IMDb. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of morbid counting dead people, but... I thought it was a fun fact. So, yeah, I looked her up, and she's only like 75, 76, something like that. Yeah, she was even in the... the um, so she's the one that plays Nova. And she's even in the 2001 Mark Wahlberg, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, she has a little like cameo in that. a barrel or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Nova, like Casanova. Yeah, like no-go in Spanish. If you like that American Pie reference I just threw yeah. out there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, critical reception uh, it's pretty good we're looking at a whopping 86% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there and uh, it wasn't too hard to find a couple of negative reviews there's one from Renetta Adler from the New York Times it says it is not good at all but fun at moments to watch I don't know about all that Ugh. Yeah. Dennis Stack from Kansas City Star says Planet of the Apes may have worked as a novel, but as a movie, it's a spectacular and ludicrous failure. I don't know about that. This is why we don't really listen to reviewers. <laughs> as we give our review on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. It's always fun. Don't be crazy. Don't These be crazy. are our peers, like Mike Massey. That's true. Gone with the twins. <laughs> Space special effects have aged, but the makeup effects for the mutant apes remain perfectly adequate. There you go. Chris Alexander from Alexander on Film. The girls on film, but in this case, it's Alexander on Film. Whether you've seen it a hundred times or for the first time, that final shot is unforgettable in both aesthetic and meaning. A perfect film. Wow. Wow. Strong That's not agree. a term I like to throw out too often. A perfect film. I don't even know if I can name a perfect film. I know you guys. Godfather Two, Lord of the Rings, all three of them. <laughs> Planet of the Apes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Mark Wahlberg one. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> what are we doing here? There's monkeys everywhere. <laughs> I gotta go work out. I'm Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> the budget was five point eight million dollars. It opened on April third, nineteen sixty-eight, and it grossed thirty-two point five million dollars. Whoa. That's a lot. Which was enough to warrant four sequels, a series of uh, cartoons, some comic books. 
some lunch Empire boxes. Of the Apes, the lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Empire of the Apes, the flamethrower. You know, the breakfast cereal, all that shit. So, hey, man, making back, uh, what is that, five, six times your budget? That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. Especially in 68, well, around that time, but geez. Yeah, $1968. Shit. That's a lot. Could buy a lot of bananas. <laughs> What's a That's banana offensive, cost? Like $100? Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there you have it. Um, Mr. Zach, would you care to read the trivia? Sure thing. So during breaks in filming, actors made up uh, as different ape species tended to hang out together. Gorillas with gorillas, orangutans with orangutans, chips w- chimps with chips, and the jets with the jets, and the sharks with the sharks. It wasn't required. It just naturally happened. That's uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah, the that is. S- the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil gag was entirely ad-libbed on the set on the day of shooting. It was kept in because people found it amusing when the film was threatening to get too serious. I don't remember that part. It was during the trial. Oh. The tribunal. Ah. Did you even watch the movie? <laughs> Barely. Roddy McDowell, Rowdy Roddy Piper McDowell, an experienced actor, recommended to his companions in makeup that they should frequently add ticks blinks and assorted facial gestures to add a sense of realism and keep the makeup from appearing mask-like. McDowell reportedly became a merry prankster with the makeup, driving home with his makeup on and shocking some of the other drivers on the freeway. While doing the Planet of the Apes 1974 TV series, Roddy surprised Carol Burnett when he showed up on the Carol Burnett show The Family Bus Stop Brief Encounter 1974 in full Galen makeup, which or while she was taping her intro, talking to the audience. So Galen is the character they played on the TV series. Um, so he was in his Galen makeup when he went on. Yeah, tape. I think the only one that he missed was Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Everything else he was in. So that's kind of like a uh, when Paul Rudd goes on the Conan O'Brien show and always does that. That Mac and me. Mac and me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, there were three other endings suggested for the film's climax, but the one favored by Charlton Heston ultimately won out. All the ape actors and extras were required to wear their masks even during breaks and in between shots because it looked it took so much time to make them up. Because of this, meals were liquefied and drunk through straws. And that's interesting. (laughs) Salisbury steak and some potatoes and gravy. (laughs) Um, In the scene at Ape City uh, at the Ape City Natural History Museum, a large claw of a strange animal can be seen uh, prominently displayed several times on a pedestal at the top of the stairs. It is the plaster cast made of the foot of the monster that attacks the spaceship in Forbidden Planet from 1956. That's really cool. I didn't know that. that I noticed cool. the claw. I didn't know it was from that movie. Like so. the id monster or something like that? Yeah. And then finally, some of the discordant musical uh, sounds were created by using stainless steel kitchen mixing bowls. Hmm. So real uh, street performance there. Yeah. Yeah, you there's some I... really cool music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. I agree. I actually you mind really if like I uh, throw on one more. Heck yeah! So about Linda Harris and Nova, who's still around. Uh, she was actually in the original makeup test video that was made two years before the movie actually happened, uh, in full ape makeup, trying to convince the studio that the movie could work. Uh, the studio actually rejected it, and it took another two years to get it off the ground. And when they finally did 
get it going, the producer's original choices for Nova were Ursula Andress from Dr. No, mm-hmm. Raquel Welch, and or Angelique Pettyjohn. And the reason they screen-tested Linda Harrison in the first place was because the studio boss, uh, who was dating her at the time, asked oh, producer gosh. Arthur P. Jacobs <laughs> to screen-test her. <laughs> wow. Wow. Good for her, then. But, I mean, those other two, Raquel Welch and uh, Ursula Andrews, that was a... Uh pretty interesting that would have been quite the movie and i wonder if how that would have how her character would have been if they didn't have yeah. lines because they were pretty big actors yeah back then. supposedly some of the uh questioning going on according to charlton heston was um to the effect of how much or uh, how naked can we get away with oh god and uh there was a big question mark about that with big name actresses hmm He's like, I got this leathery penis. I'm really anxious to show off. Right from my cold dead fingers. God, you know he was only like 44 when they made that movie. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I'm like three years away from looking like Charlton Heston. I'm terrified. I'm a, I've been on dates with 44 year olds, and they look way better than that. So they look better than Charlton Heston. Yeah, way higher <laughs> with or without the beard. <laughs> Um, they didn't, yeah, they did tell me to get my, my paws. Wait, and that sounds really bad. Never mind. I won't say that. <laughs> um, edit <laughs> oh, that out. I will edit that out. All right. So let's give a synopsis. So astronauts Taylor, Landon, and Dodge awaken from deep hibernation after a near light speed space voyage. Stuart, the lone female crew member, is dead due to a sleep chamber malfunction. How are they going to do her like that? Their spacecraft crashes into a lake on an unknown planet, and the men abandon the sinking vessel. Before bailing out, Taylor reads his ship's uh, chronometer as November 25th, 3978, 2006 years after their departure in 1972. The men travel through a desolate wasteland, coming across eerie scarecrow-like figures and a freshwater lake with lush vegetation. While swimming naked, the men's clothes are stolen and shredded by primitive mute humans. Soon after, armed guerrillas raid a cornfield where the humans are gathering... Shit, what is it? Are gathering food. Taylor is shot in the throat as he and the others are captured. Dodge is killed and Landon rendered unconscious in the chaos. Taylor is taken to the Ape City. Two chimpanzees, animal psychologist Zira and surgeon Galen, save Taylor's life, though his throat injury renders him temporarily mute. Taylor is placed with a captive female, whom he later names Nova. He observes an advanced society of talking apes with a strict cake caste system. Gorillas are the military force and laborers. Orangutans oversee government and religion. And intellectual chimpanzees are mostly scientists and doctors. The ape society is a theocracy. While the apes consider the primitive humans as vermin to be hunted and either killed outright, enslaved, or used in scientific experiments. Taylor convinces Zira and her fiance, Cornelius. Cornelius. <laughs> Number um, one supreme being. <laughs> multipass. That he is intelligent as they are. One way by making a paper airplane. Yes. Doctors, I can't even make a paper airplane. I know. <laughs> I fucking suck. I tried a thousand times. It doesn't work. Yeah, you can try again. It's, it's not working. It's supposed to work. But the work. Dr. Zayas, the orangutan superior, arranges for Taylor to be castrated against Zira's protests. Taylor escapes and finds Dodge's stuffed corpse on display in a museum. He is soon recaptured, revealing in the process he can speak, which alarms the apes. A hearing to determine Taylor's origins is convened. Taylor mentions his two comrades, learning that Landon was lobotomized and rendered catatonic. 
Believing Taylor is from an unknown human tribe beyond their borders, Zaius privately threatens to castrate and lobotomize Taylor for refusing to reveal his origins. With help from Zira's nephew, Lucius, Zira and Cornelius free Taylor and Nova and take them to the Forbidden Zone, a taboo region outside Ape City where Taylor's ship crashed. Ape law has ruled the area out of bounds for centuries. Cornelius and Zira are intent to gather proof of an earlier non-Simian civilization, which Cornelius discovered a year earlier, to be cleared of heresy. Taylor focuses on proving he comes from a different planet. When the group arrives at the cave, Cornelius is intercepted by Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus, and his soldiers. Taylor holds them off. Oh, oh, oh. Dr. Dr. Zeus. Can I play the piano anymore? Well, of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. <laughs> Shit, don't even get me started. Oh, Come I can't. Rub it on the Rub it on the <laughs> Who, who agrees? Okay. Thre- uh, blah, blah, blah. Taylor holds him off by threatening to shoot Zaius, who agrees to enter the cave to disprove their theories. Inside, Cornelius dis- uh, displays remnants of a technology advanced, a technologically advanced human society predating Simeon history. Taylor identifies artifacts such as dentures, eyeglasses, a heart valve, and the apes, ast- and to the apes' astonishment, a child's talking doll. Zaius admits that he has always known about the ancient human civilization. Taylor wants to search for answers, ignoring Zaius's warning he may dislike what he finds. After Taylor and Nova are allowed to leave, Dr. Zaius has the cave sealed off to destroy the evidence while charging Zira, Cornelius, and Lucius with heresy. Taylor and Nova follow the shoreline on horseback and eventually discover the remnants of... The Statue of Liberty, revealing that this alien, exactly, (laughs) this alien planet is actually Earth long after an apocalyptic nuclear war. Understanding Zaius's earlier warning, Taylor falls to his knees in despair and condemns humanity for destroying the world. You blew it up. Damn you. The phrase like pound sand comes in. No. Pound sand. Yeah, That's not where it came from. Beating the earth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly where it came from. So that is uh, Planet of the Apes. Perfect. A perfect movie, as the critics say. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Damn near perfect. So, um, Mr. Zachary, when did you first see this movie, the original Planet of the Apes? And uh, what were your first impressions? July 26, 2021 was the first time I saw the original Planet of the Apes. Um, Obviously, it was very dated, and I I know to take those with a grain of salt. Um, I liked it overall, and I'm hoping to like it even more now that Rob is on the podcast because he can... He's like, no more monkey business, you know, and (laughs) monkey work. work. (laughs) But I definitely... um, I was thinking about it more. I, I really liked some of the concepts they used. Uh, I think what really helped me get more into it was the fact that Rod Serling wrote it or he was one of the writers for it. And so that got me excited because I absolutely love the Twilight Zone. So I think it was kind of outdated. And I don't know if we were talking about this on air or, or before, but how, okay. Charlton Heston was just a little over the top for me. Actually, he was quite over the top for me and it was very hard to get into it. But I think when I started going back more into just how destructive man is. I think he embodied that pretty well. Um, if that's what his motivation was, it could have been a happy coincidence, but if that's what his motivation was, then that was pretty brilliant. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. I, I, I would like to go into it more and discuss it a little bit more. Sure. That's what this podcast is all about. And I mean, I do think that he is 100% like way over the top and, and off air, we we're talking about uh, comparing it to like stage acting and, and reaching the people in the back and, and that's very much what he's doing. It's like microphones don't exist in on the planet of the apes. So he has to he has to yell really, really loud all the time. 
So it's, it's a bit much. What about you, Mr. Rob? Uh, when did you first see the original Planet of the Apes? Oh, this is one of those things where it has kind of just always been around for me. And I can't remember specifically the first time I saw it because I grew up on a lot of sci-fi. Um, but I know like as a kid, I had the VHS box set of all five originals and got the DVD box set as a teenager and the Blu-rays as an adult. And I guess as I get close to middle age here, I should be looking for a 4k, uh, (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, but I think, uh, as a kid, um, uh, one of the things that I, or I liked and appreciated the entertainment of it, but more so the mood of it, even if I couldn't exactly articulate why as a child, Uh, But growing up um, as a teenager and young adult, you start to get a feel for and uh, understand uh, more of the themes that are running through the film. You know, you get a little bit older, you start, um, you're a little less naive, you're a little more worldly, and you kind of start to understand why the film resonates and that it touches on so many issues that were contemporary, uh, relevant to a 60s contemporary audience, but still remain relevant to a modern audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have either of you seen the 2001 version, the Tim Burton <laughs> one, or even just the reboots, like from 2000 or whatever that was, like 11 or 12, and then onward with uh, Andy Serkis playing Caesar? Yeah, Rob, you can answer first. Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. I'm I'm a franchise fan here, so whenever there's a new movie, I'm going to see it at the theaters no matter what. Uh, at some point, I'm, I'm hoping I can find a theater that does retro movie nights so I can finally see the original on big screen. But uh, I was there opening night for all of the Andy Serkis films, and uh, they may not be quite as iconic as this, but they're very good. I enjoyed them. Um, the 2001 Tim Burton one, uh, may, maybe the less said about it, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, although I do think Tim Roth was a pretty scary. He was. Uh ape <laughs> you terrified me <laughs> like when he reaches into his mouth and he's like is there a soul in there i was like oh my gosh yeah calm down guy wash your hands he's like i'm the hangman right <laughs> <laughs> all's well done well done. yeah yeah uh and yeah i have i have seen the original i saw it in theaters it's funny i went with my buddy jamie williams and we went and we saw it in burlington at the cascade mall um i thought it 2001 was, oh yeah I thought it was going to be awesome, and I did not like it. <laughs> Even as a kid back then, I was like, oh, this is dumb. So, uh, but yeah, I might give it another chance. Probably not for a while, but maybe I'll give it another chance at a certain point. <laughs> and I absolutely love the um, the trilogy, the newer trilogy. The Matt, uh, not Matt. Who did it? Andy Serkis, no, uh, Matt no, no, Reeves. No, no. Matt Reeves, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely loved uh, War, for, War for the Planet of the Apes because I think that Andy Serkis deserved an Oscar nod and I was really pissed that he didn't, but it's because it's mocap and people are like, oh, yes, but uh. so. Gary Oldman made a hell of a bad guy in the second one. He was great. He was really good. Yeah. Woody Harrelson was all crazy in the third one too. Oh yeah. Just completely psychotic. They, yeah, they did such a fantastic job in those and I think um, they really uh, humanized these these apes and it was so fascinating and they played with a lot of the same themes from this and so I thought it was a cool little little tie-in and reboot. I absolutely love the the uh, the new trilogy. Sure. I think uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Rupert Wyatt directed the first one. Rise yeah, of the Planet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Ah, that makes more sense. Because Dawn and War I think were better in my opinion, but yeah, well, I had to start somewhere. I think the second one's 
pretty good. Third one's hard for me because I I knew what was coming. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to watch this. I know. It was so sad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they, they got their eyes all figured out, like his face, their expressions. It was just too much. I was, I was too sad. It was sad. It was yeah. really good, though. I like mm-hmm. All right. So, Rob, you mentioned that, you know, you're you're born into science fiction and it's basically your childhood. And are, are you a fan of this era of science fiction aside from the Planet of the Apes movies? Yeah, very much. Uh, I think um, it's it's kind of hard to argue against uh, the 50s and 60s being very much the golden age of sci-fi, whether you're talking about uh, movies, TV, books, whatever. Um, it's it's the age of uh, Isaac Asimov and Arthur, Clark, Arthur C. Clarke and the original debut of Doctor Who and all that stuff. And uh, I think... Um, kind of the holy trinity came out of this era of uh, screen sci-fi uh, original twilight zone original star trek and original outer limits because i mean you throw on pretty much any sci-fi movie or tv show that's been made in the decades since and the odds are pretty solid that uh, you will come across a version of a story that was done by one of those three shows absolutely what about you zach I don't have a lot of exposure to 50s and 60s sci-fi. I mean, I definitely know of it. And I think surprisingly, it's through spoofs or, um, you know, 90s films that are shown as like a 50s movie. Like, you know, that one movie with uh, John, John Goodman. Jaws. No, right. no, he's not. He's in neither of those where John Goodman is in like a. He, Don't tell mom the babysitter's done. I am going to punch you in the face. Um, anyways, uh, he is a movie maker and it's this movie about these giant ants, these like killer ants. But that's that's the uh, kind of the side story for it. It's uh, about this this kid and it's during like nuclear fallout. And I don't know, it's kind of a lighthearted film. And it was on Amazon Prime the other day. So I think I'm going to watch it. But um yeah, my exposure was that. Uh, so it was in much later life. But like I said, I really love the Twilight Zone. And so I think obviously there are a lot of um, snippets from the Twilight Zone that you'll see in those types of movies and like Barbarella and the Time Machine and all that stuff. So yeah, That's cool. So <clears throat> Rob touched on this for a second, but Planet of the Apes has some pretty heavy themes. Uh, I believe it's safe to say that some of the best science fiction involves a social commentary on how uh, our way of life is flawed, and if we don't do something about it, then we're doomed. Basically, like Aldous Snow, like, we gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, in 1968, a nuclear threat was a clear and present danger. Uh, what are some of your favorite sci-fi series or films that really stuck the landing for you in their political or environmental messaging? Zach, go. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, RoboCop. I think RoboCop is so, and I love Paul Verhoeven. I think he's absolutely amazing. And I'll actually just do two on here, but but uh, of of his, but uh, RoboCop for sure, just because it's about the greed, the violence, the corruption, everything that could be, um, you know, a big city in the future. And what is our solution to it? More guns, <laughs> an ultimate killing machine that is the <laughs> ultimate uh, automation of, of of what it could be. And um, you know, I'd. Uh, it's it, it, it's pretty it's it's pretty fascinating and I, I i go back to that movie often um i think it's a lot smarter than people give it credit it's it's phenomenal so um demolition man surprisingly um and that, that's a newer watch for me too i watched it not too many <laughs> you didn't even like it really well i think the more i thought about it too i was like that was actually pretty interesting because uh just the whole swear jar idea and how <laughs> how soft you can get as a society you do need to have some law and order in a certain sense i almost expected stallone to be like i am the law but um, 
it was it, it was it was very fascinating <laughs> it happened yet i know it was very fascinating too to see how it devolved into taco bell being i mean they were so cleaned out that taco bell was their their big restaurant right and i won the franchise it, it was it's it's such an interesting idea for this like utopia <laughs> that obviously the first sign of trouble will completely demolish it so and um yeah uh, the other Paul Verhoeven movie, Starship Troopers, is all about neo-fascism, and we talked about that on a podcast. I absolutely love that movie. I always discover something new when I see it, and I think Justin thinks it's okay. It's like an okay movie for him. We mentioned perfect films earlier. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love Starship Troopers. Yeah, again, that's another Verhoeven film. Uh, the Matrix, of course. I mean, The Matrix, you just smoke a joint or something like that and just chill back and try to... Try to break that movie down. I dare you. It is uh, phenomenal. I absolutely love it. Well, and then I the, just found my evening plans. There you go. <laughs> and <laughs> then a bunch uh, of fucking stoners on this podcast. And then the Hunger Games of all things. And I know that that is uh, that is taken from things like Battle Royale and such. But I've always really liked that idea because I'm. There's a lot of themes for a lot of these sci-fi films, especially the ones I listed, where violence is at the core of it, where the class segregation. Um, it leads to violence. And I, I guess that's always our solution is survival of the fittest. And it's so interesting to me. And and while I liked the books better than the films by far, um, I just think that the first one did a pretty good job of encapsulating how I was feeling about it. But yeah, I mean, Battle Royale, I think is a better movie for sure. So um, just that whole idea, you know, of, of uh, hunting each other to find the ultimate winner. And it's just like, this is weird, man. But uh, right. But yeah. Yeah, uh, so I think, I mean, I like where your head's at, but like, like uh, Snowpiercer, that was a movie Ooh, that's with, a good with one. all the different classes and, yeah, and yeah, you know, the definitely. world froze over. So now we got global warming, we got class, a class system, we got <laughs> violence, we got starving people, starving kids, uh, population control, all on a, on a choo-choo. Uh, that movie, I didn't like the first time I saw it, but as I watched it and then had it you know, for homework for this podcast, uh, I really enjoyed it my second viewing. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, this movie's nuts. Have uh, you, what about you, you the Have you, have you uh, watched the TV show? I no, have not, no. I have not. Okay. No, I haven't watched it either. I was just wondering how it is. I got um, everything that I wanted out of a two-hour movie. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I get off this train, man. It's, it's dangerous. That hatchet fight scene was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> the movie's nuts. Yeah, man. Uh, so on this on this subject, uh, I was actually going to also go into a little bit of RoboCop and Starship Troopers for most of the same reasons. Uh, corporate culture, military worship, fascism, all that sort of stuff. But uh, since we kind of did that a little bit, um, and while I've been sitting here, I remembered I actually rewatched uh, Wrath of Khan a few days ago. And so if I can just turn this a little bit inward, I think um, some of the best sci-fi films and series out there are ones that really have something to say uh, not just necessarily about political, environmental, but st- something to say about who we are uh, and, you know, life and things that matter to people. Um, and that's something, this movie has a lot to say. I mean, it's something about um, finding meaning in life as you get older, the the danger, divisiveness, destructiveness of hatred and the, the futility of it all, and continuing to find meaning and value in your life, no matter how many candles you have on your birthday cake. <laughs> or I suppose we could get a little topical and just say alien and say, see what happens when you ignore quarantine protocols. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. 
But my like liberty asshole. and my rights. Right. <laughs> like that asshole in Prometheus that just touches the goo? Yeah. Without the gloves? <laughs> I, I agree. And it's very well said, Rob. I mean, I think that's if I that's why I love sci-fi so much is because if you can have a thought-provoking film um, and really kind of get beyond just the, the how many people are going to die and how many explosions are there going to be, you can yeah, totally. really be like, holy shit, they had some really fun stuff to say. And I think that's why I liked The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions more this go around is because I have a more analytical approach to it. And I also I understand more of the words of what the, the architect was saying. And so I get it. And it's all about free will versus choice. Um, and while it was confusing to see in theaters, um, and I said this about Tenet too, while it was confusing to see in theaters, when you have subtitles on and when you can break it down after it, it becomes a lot clearer of a picture. And um, luckily with Tenet, I watched at home with subtitles and it still was confusing, but I got the majority of it. And I was like, okay, I really enjoyed that and the idea and the concepts they were rolling with. And they're not always going to be, you know, A pluses, but I still applaud the hell out of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know about all that. (laughs) 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 All right. So moving on uh, in this synopsis, uh, it touched on a strict caste system. The gorillas are the military force and laborers. Uh, Orangutans oversee government, religion and intellectual chimpanzees are mostly scientists and doctors. Uh, A couple liberals thrown in there, too. Um, At least that we saw it in at the end of that movie. And then we see more of in the second one. Um, But. Uh, Taylor makes a point of saying that some apes, it seems, are more equal than others. Whereas, you know, these apes believe that they're actually in their utopian society. But that is kind of interesting that some apes, it seems, are more equal than others. Do you agree with that statement? And how does it reflect on our world in 1968 or even in present day? Zach. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of agree with it where you fit i mean and then that trivia i read too about how the gorillas hung out with the gorillas and orangutans hung out with the right. orangutans kind of weird right it's weird because i i think we're we're prone to um go to what's familiar and hang out with that so nerd culture like we're hanging out with other nerds um you know i think in high school it's 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 a really good example and in the movie mean girls that whole idea of the animalistic nature that is high school is summed up in that scene where they all act like wild animals and they start fighting. But that's that's not very far off from what high school is, where you have your cliques, your orangutans, or I wouldn't call them orangutans, but I would say, you know, let's just say there's something else. And then um, you have your jocks, the gorillas, and it's uh, so interesting. But I don't know if it necessarily reflects today or I don't have the best examples for that. I would for sure say with the invention of social media, you can find groups like QAnon supporters and uh, hardcore conservatives and hardcore liberals and whatever group you want to be. And you can find that. Um, Yeah, I I don't think that that. Well, I know that none of them are more equal than others, but it's uh, it's interesting that our society has kind of devolved to that where it's it's just it's ranked separately I, I don't know does that kind of make sense i feel like i'm it, rambling it does, at this it point does. now so, i mean i mean you know not necessarily in like the literal sense of apes but i mean even looking yes. at man right you know yes. we have that's what i'm alluding blue collar, to yeah blue collar workers white collar workers we got we got uh homeless people uh we have uh, military we have police we have politicians we got doctors um and everyone is viewed differently and a lot of it has to do with your title and how many zeros are in your bank account 
and, and it's it's pretty crazy. And I think I think you know some apes it seems are more equal than others. Um, that statement is so interesting because I think of uh, the U.S. economy and, and and the job market. So where you have a tech bro, and I'm here in Seattle, you have a tech bro who maybe is not doing the same amount of work that I'm doing or, or someone else is doing a frontline worker, but yet they're getting paid substantially more because that's the job market they're in. And it's like, who dictates the equality of this? Cause there's a huge equality in everything. And, um, yeah, so I think that's really fascinating. And, and it's in this society that these apes have, I wonder if they run into issues like that. Like do the orangutans get more food than the chimpanzees because the orangutans oversee the government? Or how does it work sort of thing? Yeah, we don't get into that. No, I know. <laughs> but, but that's what's great is, is like you leave those kind of unanswered questions and you leave it open ended for you to kind of think about that later on. Absolutely. Know your worth. What about you, Rob? Where's your head at? Because you're in another country. So things are a little <laughs> bit different for you. <laughs> Um, well, before circling back to that, um, I think this is just a, a really fantastic, um, literary reference. Uh, cause I mean, this is literally Orwell from animal farm, uh, the pig Napoleon changing their society's last commandment to all, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. others right. And I mean, that's, that's great on its own, but, uh, I think it's kind of, um, I, I really like how they, how they structure this into the movie because we hit that point in the movie where Taylor has been shot in the neck and he is not able to speak. And so we get like 20, maybe 30 minutes of just uh, watching the ape society from the point of view of Cornelius and Zira. And we spend this time um, watching how they're kind of downtrodden. This is their lot in life. They're going to bitch and moan, but they're going to just keep on, keep on doing it and then you see a little bit more you see dr zayas come in and he's brusque he's condescending he's dismissive of anyone who has any different ideas than himself he's he's kind of like the biggest dick manager you could ever have right mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i think uh in terms of um contemporary comparison zach you touched on it a little bit um but uh we, we've got the chimpanzees in the movie having the education and the knowledge and experience to say basically look uh this is happening it's not bullshit i have the evidence right here <laughs> why aren't you listening to me exactly <laughs> and you know not to take this like overly current eventy politicky or sure, anything sure, like sure. that but i it's, mean the, the, it's, the chimpanzees are anthony fauci right now and it's, <laughs> wear your fucking mask and take a shot every once yeah while. there's and there's you sure? a, there's the vax thing um yeah. you could also kind of parallel it even to like uh climate research i mean people yeah. have been doing that for decades and going like look guys it's right fucking here it's all published right. it's all out there and you're ignoring me because it's not convenient to your agenda right right and this ice so, cube used to be really big. Now, yeah. it's, now it's a tiny little ice cube. <laughs> now it's water. So, I mean, I think that's I mean, it's probably something that I've already talked about and might bang on more as the pod goes on. But I think it's kind of one of the big, big strengths of the movie is that it still speaks to contemporary issues, whether you're watching it in 68 or 2021. Or 3031, for crying out loud. Uh, there you Assuming go. Assuming we're still here. There you well, go. and I think it is important that we talk about it too, because I, I know that we we want to try to stay away from it a little bit. But fuck it, gloves are off. Like we definitely, the best sci-fi is stuff that you can look back, like you were saying, and reflect and be like, "Holy shit, 
I see that now. <laughs> and yeah, yeah just, totally. Yeah, just like you said, where it's like, nope, sorry, I, I, I don't believe in your fancy schmancy science. What has it done for anybody? See, religion, that's the way to go. <laughs> uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, there's a there's an Asimov quote that says something about uh, a cult of uh, my ignorance is as valuable as your knowledge. Right. <laughs> it's true. It cancels each other out. It's exactly. fucking it's nuts. But I searched a Google article that said that it's the virus is just a flu, so I'll be <laughs> <Right>. safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's so frustrating. Like as I was watching the movie, like I was just constantly just thinking of what I'm dealing with today. As I check my Twitter feed, just seeing the same just ignorance, I'm just like, fuck. You gotta mute all that shit, man. It makes your Twitter feed so much happier. I don't, I don't know how to do that. It's gotta tweet about. You gotta read all my tweets about my dates. That's what you yeah. gotta do. <laughs> I, don't know how to use my phone. I literally just look at elephant videos. It's flashing twelve at me right now. It's so I don't know how to use it. Stupid iPhone. What? Um, <laughs> like, like a VCR flashing twelve. Oh. <laughs> it's okay, timer. Justin. I'm old enough to understand the reference. <laughs> I definitely know that reference. Are you kidding me? I used to get the super long play tapes, and I would record like episodes of The Simpsons and shit. My mom bought me a, as a Christmas gift. She bought me a six pack of VHS tapes, and I was actually really sad because my brother opened up like an N64, and I'm like, videotapes. <laughs> What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No jobs. Freelance. Freelance. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the tribunal for a second. Since Zach, you don't even remember some of that part. Um, but I'd like to read uh, Honoris's opening statement. He says, my case is simple. It's based on our first article of faith that the almighty created the ape in his own image and that he gave him a soul and a mind and he set him apart from the beasts of the jungle and made him the lord of the planet. These sacred truths are self-evident. The proper study of apes is apes. But certain young cynics have chosen to study man. Yes, perverted scientists who advance on an insidious theory called evolution. There is a conspiracy afoot to undermine the very cornerstone of our faith. Uh, of course, this argument is very relevant today, both with uh, teaching evolution in schools or let's take a step further with critical race theory. Uh, there are some folks, parents, politicians, and even teachers that have a real problem with both. And uh, and as Zach said, let's get dirty. Uh, do you believe this is a fair comparison? And what sort of connections, if any, did you make while you were watching this scene? Zach, go. Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely a fair comparison where, you know, my God is better than your God sort of thing, or my God is better than your your nerd science. And people are so stubborn and we've we've, you know, hit this over the head so many times, but people don't change. It's um, it's really sad. Unless you're Rocky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to fight Ivan Drago, though, in Russia. And it has to be the Cold War. So. And you could argue brain damage. Made him oh, my God. He's like, I dreamt that happened. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's um, it, it was hard to, to pull that away because this whole trial or whatever they what, what do they call it? it tribunal. 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 It seemed like such an arbitrary sham. It, it they were they already made up their mind, and even Doctor Zayas says that he's like, "No, your fate was basically sealed for this." It's yeah, like, this is a, dis a disposal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, kind of it's kind of Spanish Inquisition. Exactly, right. exactly. Like, wh why the hell even have it? And 
there is no chance in hell. And I felt so bad for Cornelius and Zira because they're sitting here telling you the pen that I hold in my hand is, is blue. (laughs) (laughs) Royal blue. But, uh, but no, the other guys are like, Nope, it's red. It's definitely red. And it's just, it's bullshit because they're giving you facts and facts and facts and facts. And I feel for me personally, when all this shit happened and Trump lost in such a glorious fashion and you know, I had I had friends who I thought were friends from from back in my hometown who would go out of their way. Like people added me on Facebook and we weren't friends just to start an argument and and just to try to, to try to be like, well, you know, Trump was really good with the economy. And I'm like, OK, yeah, please give me your source material. Well, you know, there's like a lot of stuff on Facebook and, and Google articles. And I'm like, cool, that is not uh, information. It's anecdotal. Give me your source material. And so I found like NPR, BBC, like um uh, Politico articles, and I was sending them. And I go, actually, you know, all these things, and I would basically disprove them. But I think the biggest thing with them is, even when they're seeing all that stuff in their face, they're still like, well, I don't know, man, you're entitled to your opinion. And I go, okay, <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> so what, what's the point of having a conversation? And so I think for now, for what I've done, um, is I'm just like, there's, I'm not going to talk to these people. There's no changing their minds. And so it's um it's it's really interesting and i think the line in that article of faith that is is so interesting that it says that these sacred truths are self-evident i don't agree with that <laughs> it's a book someone wrote it it doesn't mean it's fact <laughs> and um faith yeah it's a fact <laughs> i mean it literally has faith written in there too so yeah just He's not- a bible thumping son of a bitch zach <laughs> I, do just, I can't i can't do it man i appreciate the hell out of religion it helps people through really hard times and i i'm all for it and i believe there is a higher power up there but i do believe you need to have an open mind for anything because no one knows how the world works you kidding me like a watch Dino- yeah, dinosaurs back then <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly all right uh rob what's your take on that uh well uh as as phrased i'm not sure whether i'm qualified to weigh on this exactly because uh like i said i'm i'm in canada and critical well, race theory What's, what is your what is your idea well, i was of gonna the say, americans version of all this uh critical race theory is just not part of the dialogue up here i mean we have morons but we don't have republicans uh <laughs> um but i mean if i can veer off just a little bit here um i, I feel like the the quotation from the movie um it, it still remains uh, really valid to um, the question, sort of like what you were saying, Zach, of uh, religion and its place in modern society. Um, and again, looking back to your side of the border a little bit, um, we see it a lot in things like uh, abortion debate or stem cell research or whether employers can be mandate, uh, mandated to provide insurance for reproductive care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's others I've forgotten too, but the conversation generally gets framed as, uh, you can't do that because I think it's wrong in my faith say so. How dare you infringe, infringe upon that, mm-hmm. uh, versus realities on the ground of, uh, healthcare for people who are living with illnesses and crises and right here and now. Um, I mean, the details of that are going to shift over time. Like I'm sure it was, uh, different subjects, but same broad scope in 1968 but it's something that you can read into based on when you're watching it every time and it stays uh it stays relevant it stays thought-provoking right yeah all right so let's take it a step further with uh, honoris continuing with his argument with a with a crazy conspiracy theory this wretched man the accused is only a pawn in a conspiracy we know that he has uh 
that he was wounded in his throat uh, at the time of his capture. The state charges that Dr. Zira and a corrupt surgeon named Galen experimented on this, on this wounded animal, tampering with his brain <laughs> and throat tissues to create a speaking monster. Now, I immediately thought of co- the COVID-19 vaccine and QAnon and Fox News, just a geyser of misinformation and fear mongering. <laughs> um, did either of you make any connection similar to this as you were watching it? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean... As I was watching the movie, like the exact same connection popped into my head and I just could not think of anything else at all. Um, I mean, vaccines are such a huge part of the public dialogue right now, no matter where you live. Uh, And at the moment, I'm working at one of the mass vax clinics here, so I get to hear it all the time, too. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it was hard to think of anything else uh, when uh, what's his name, Honorius, was giving his crazy theory here. I guess maybe in 68, the conversation might have been about evolution and zealots falsely accusing scientists of inventing <laughs> or manufacturing fossils and so that it could be taught in schools. Um, I don't know. I'm Personally, I'm kind of the person who just has no patience at all for, for conspiracy loons, so I kind of have a little bit of a hard time getting into the, uh, the headspace here. No, that's fine. I just I thought of like that lady that was putting the keys all over her body. She's like, why why am I magnetic now? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You're, just, you're not magnetic. You're just sticky, bitch. Take a shower. Jesus. I was like, oh my god, dude. I, as he was talking, I'm just seeing keys fall off this lady's face and chest. It was so ridiculous. That's what that's what you know. I look at and I'm like, we're just failing so hard as a society when people actually believe this, and. It it blows me away and vaccines give you autism and all these things. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's it's just absolutely insane that people are so gullible. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. And I I have zero patience for conspiracy theories. Also, one of the worst dates I've ever had in my life. It was the first five minutes. The girl started talking about QAnon stuff. Oh, and fuck um, that. I'm out. <laughs> we were on a walk outside in a park and I'm like, holy shit. And I was a ways from my car. So we had to walk fast. Like I, I was walking fast, but she was keeping up, but it was just really odd. And yeah, man, she was talking about how Bill Gates was on, on audio saying he's going to microchip us and talking about pizza gate. And I am just like, this isn't going to work. See you later. Bye. I'd never see you again. I should say right. zero patience, man. It's crazy. Well, I think, um, you know, part of it is these people are scared. Uh, you know, they don't know who to trust or who to believe. And when you have uh, certain characters on TV spouting out this information, then that's just, you know, ammo for them. And just like these orangutans, whatever they say is pretty much what goes. So it's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime they saw a human out in public, like the chimps would like freak out. It's like, oh, my God, cover your eyes, son. <laughs> it was yeah. Just like, oh, it's such a taboo to have this animal. Yeah, the, the ones freaking streets. out when he was uh, running past the funeral. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> or when he steps through the, the lecture that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one. They're like, oh, my God, there's like a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was fat. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was so funny. I'm just like, man, look at how crazy this is. Um, and, you know, that would be like if, you know, you're just in class and all of a sudden, you know, like a uh, like a snake showed up in your classroom. You're like, oh, you'd be scared. You'd run. You'd be like, oh, my God, I don't want this thing to touch me. I don't want to die. I don't want to get bit. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the desert and there were snakes that would just go into classrooms and it was like a total freak out, like the end of the world. Like, oh, my God. And like the sky is falling and uh, it's some scary shit. Did you speak? Par- did you speak parcel mouth to him? I did not know. 
<laughs> I'd have to get a shovel and put them inside a trash can and take Jesus them out into the desert. Like a fucking croc hunter over here. <laughs> the hell do I know about snakes? That's why they call you Jake the Snake. <laughs> they don't? <laughs> so they call but you Black it. Mamba. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's um, it's people fear what they don't understand. And, and, and to put it politely, there are some very uneducated people in this country, in the US, I'm speaking for specifically. And it's really sad when you kind of hear some of them talk and you're just kind of like, yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. When I travel internationally, some people, you know, the whole past five or six years, I would travel to places and they're like, oh, you're from the US. Is Trump real? And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> right. But they, they assume that all of us are shooting guns, eating burgers, and taking the Lord's name in vain. And I'm like, only one of those things is true. <laughs> right. <laughs> it ain't the burgers or the guns. So. <laughs> I do think it's interesting how, like, like in regards to the vaccine, I couldn't get in line fast enough. I was I like, know. oh, my God, give me this shot right now. I'll oh, drink God. it. Squirt it in my mouth, <laughs> stick it in my body. I don't care. I just want it. Yeah. And there's other people to where they're just like, no way, man. Keep that shit away from me. Yeah, it blows my mind that they're having to do like lotteries and stuff with you guys down there. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> the, I know. Like... I, I at, at the Mariners game, they were giving away $20 gift cards and two free tickets. I was like, can I get another shot? Like, <laughs> what, what's a guy got to do to get some love? Like, holy shit, man. People are getting free donuts and everything. And it really blows me away that some people are so stubborn. And I watched last week tonight with John Oliver. They interviewed a guy who was in the hospital. He had really bad, a really bad case of COVID and he was recovering and he still didn't want to get the vaccine. He said, I don't want the government touching my body. That's bonkers. As that he's hooked up and, and even the news, news reporters like, you know, that this is like federally, federally funded, like all this stuff right now that you're at the hospital you're in. And he's like, well, I don't want the government in my life. And he's like, I just told you it was. I know people are crazy. There's no getting through, Zach. I know it's pointless. It's, it is. It's it's bad. You might as well yell at a cloud. See if that yeah. works. <laughs> Stupid cloud. <laughs> You've got the wrong shape. Uh, so anyway, so regular listeners to this podcast know that I'm an advocate for animal rights and, you know, want nothing more than uh, animal cruelty to just cease to be. Um, while I do my best to educate folks on the horrors of the meat industry and the dairy industry, um, it doesn't stop there. You know, animals are tortured for their fur, for feathers, uh, or even eaten alive by humans at fish markets. It's fucking nuts, and I can't believe that that's a thing. Um, but animal cruelty just has knows no bounds. And, um, you know, this includes even product testing and scientific research. And it's heartbreaking, it's appalling, it's horrific, and it's just absolutely atrocious. Uh, so many people just turn their heads away. Uh, from this cruelty that 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 these animals experience on a daily basis, and these poor animals have no voice. And just like Taylor, you know, he was shot in the throat, and and with it, he lost his voice, and he couldn't speak up to let them know, like, "Hey, pal, fuck off, dude! Like, I hate what you're doing to me right now. Quit spraying me with a goddamn hose. If you touch me one more time, I'm gonna chop your fucking hands off." Like, <laughs> that's literally what he wants to say. And um, you know, he's in a cage, and he's treated like an animal. And I hope these scenes are are off putting for viewers, uh, and they don't find it funny. Um, but you know, back, back to the hearing when they make him remove his rags and he stands there naked and he literally loses his dignity. And, um, you know, I don't even know if there's a question here, but, but Taylor was looked at and treated as an animal and, you know, he's actually being sentenced to death basically is what they were going to do. They were going to literally dispose of him. And it's, it's just, it's the lowest form of life for some people. And, uh, and definitely the apes in this film, um, it's an eye opener for, for people I guess I guess the question is, is this an eye opener for people in regards to how animals are treated or is this still just entertainment and nothing more? Um, I think I got to I think I have to kind of split the difference on this one a little bit. Um, 
Because I think, uh, unfortunately, I think the movie is old enough at this point. It's, it's, I believe it's over 50 years old. Uh, that the general inclination of a wider audience is going to be just to see it as entertainment. Because as a rule, people tend to see older media as something kind of quaint and amusing. Um, but I do feel like that is absolutely what the movie was going for. Um, I think pretty much ever since I started to understand the themes of the movie as a teenager, um, everything that you just said is exactly the way I have read and understood what the movie was doing. Um, the only thing here that caught me a little off guard when I was reading through the notes was um, this this thing you said about uh, the shot to the throat and making him mute and uh, that being a stand-in for uh, no voice for animals. That's, that's very clever. I, I have never thought of that before, and I have watched this movie a million times. Yeah, it's um, I definitely think that's in, I mean, looking at it now, I think it's on the nose for animal cruelty because they're literally in cages and getting hosed down, getting sprayed like that. Even the the hunt for them. I mean, you know, these these humans are just eating corn, just trying to survive. And then the the apes come and I mean, shoot first, ask questions later sort of thing. It was I didn't know the rhyme and reason where they're trying to capture all of them, where they're trying to kill all of them, because I don't think they really cared. They and, didn't. Yeah, and, they even have that photograph, like yeah, the photo op. Yeah, a pile of bodies. Yeah. Exactly. That's and like I, that's like Jimmy John's trophy hunting right there. Oh, my God. Exactly. And uh, and it blows me away because it's that that's so true to how our society treats things. Um, very interesting. I wonder if Rod Serling was like a vegetarian back in the I day. And I know that I'm I'm I am best friends with a, with several people. I mean, I consider best friend a category, not a person. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I have loved ones that consume meat on a regular basis. And that's that's fine. They're going to do what they're going to do. I don't love them any less. Um, I just know for me on a personal choice, that is why I choose to not eat meat. Um, but uh, as I'm watching this, I'm just like, fuck, dude, this is like so in your face. This is how animals are treated. But I think that people are so just uh, uh, disconnected that they wouldn't even really pick up on it. And if they did, they wouldn't yeah. care uh, if that makes sense. And like, I know that for me, just on a personal note, that it wasn't watching like like slaughterhouse videos that converted me to not want to eat meat anymore. It was actually like a cow playing with a ball like somebody was <laughs> a cow was like literally jumping around and, and playing with a ball and i was like oh my god it's just like my dog and it was it was little things like that and then watching goats in pajamas and and running around and hopping all over the place and and just really fun things and, and cool like pig videos where they just you know are in people's homes and that they they love them like they're dogs and that's that was the eye-opener for me uh was that they're literally no different and then i just started you know educating myself on just the things that are out there and different sanctuaries and what can I do to do my part kind of thing. Um, but that's what it was for me. I know a lot of, I mean, I don't want to watch, uh, you know, animals suffer. I do. When it comes up on my Twitter feed, I will watch whatever video somebody posted just so I, I know that this, this poor animal, you know, was seen. Yeah. And I, I, I try not to retweet it or anything like that. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's pretty graphic stuff, but I just, I like to be reminded about how, I'm over here just, you know, sitting on my sofa eating my, my fucking bonbons over here, just hanging out. And <laughs> I got it easy. I'm not going to eat any bonbons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know if I've even had a bonbon, but I like saying that. Yeah. And my life is easy. I got it easy. And there's other people and other animals that obviously don't. And that's why, like, with Rizzo, I give, I, 
I literally give her my undivided attention every second when I'm not recording a goddamn podcast. And I just want to play with her and I want to give her the best life that she can possibly have, whether it's it's six years or 12 years or 20 years. I want her to know that she will never be on the street again. She will never be mistreated again. She she has my bed all to herself if she wants it. I don't want to derail from that because I think you are dead on the money. Um, and I think that's a really, really important point to raise about the movie. Uh, but uh, just something else that occurred to me while I was watching today, uh, that hunt scene that we were just talking about a minute ago, um, I was kind of thinking and wondering um, how much that sequence in particular was influenced by the 1960s dialogue on race and civil rights. Uh, because I mean, if you watch it, I mean, it's a I mean, you're absolutely right. It's brutal. But all I could think of was like the brutality of slave hunting, especially and, with the fire hoses and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Right. And, and this was the decade of the March on Washington in absolutely. 63 and yep. Malcolm X assassinated in 65. And the movie was filmed in 67. And actually, weirdly enough, the movie's wide release was on April 3rd, 68. And Martin Luther King was assassinated the next day. Wow. That's crazy. So I was, I mean, I, I don't mean to take away from the animal conversation in the slightest because I think that Jeez, is very Rob. much the case, especially <laughs> once they get back to the, uh, oh, geez, lab, zoo. I don't know what we want to call what Cornelius right, and Zero clinic, work at. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is something that kind of jumped out at me while I was watching the hunt sequence in particular. Well, I, I do think that's a fair comparison because the whole idea here is that they are the lowest level of life. And so these these hateful people they don't look at slaves the same way. They would they would literally equate them to animals. They have this job. Yeah, you know, like absolutely. this is this is what they are. They they're nothing else. And that is horrifying. Yeah, I you're mean, absolutely right. And and even Dr. Zayas not not, you know, acknowledging it or anything like that, too, that humans existed. Or when Taylor is trying to write in the dirt and they I don't know why Nova erased it, but like when I she's think tra- for his safety, like she's like, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. Don't let them know that you, I, ha- you I have a shit. few, I have a few unanswered questions that I love, but we can come back to that later if we sure. want. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess I just, I, 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 I like that comparison too, um, for the civil rights movement and stuff, because I mean, you know, African-Americans were depicted as, as, as monkeys and, and that derogatory term in that sense. And so I think this is so fascinating that it switches, but yeah, it's um, it's that's really heavy stuff when you actually think about it too. Holy shit! So sure, yeah, I um, good call. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take that off track. It was no, just, no, 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 it's fine. We were we were at that point in the no. movie, and I thought it was something that occurred to me when I was watching it. No, it's just my brain is just now. It's the wheels are turning. I'm like, whoa. I I think it's a perfectly fair comparison, um, yeah. especially since uh, it's just uh, literally looking at them as a lower life. Yeah, form. they don't deserve the. They don't deserve rights. They should have no rights. They should have no respect. They should have no clothes on their back. They are animals. Yeah, yeah. That is the thought process yep. there. So yeah. I, I think that it's one hundred percent on point. Um, so uh, moving on, a reading from the Sacred Scrolls of the Apes: Beware the beast of man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's primates, he kills for sport or lust or greed. Yeah, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's land. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. Shun him, drive him back into his jungle lair, for he is the harbinger of death. 
What do you think? Is that is that a pretty accurate statement? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just that terrible, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Rob. I, I mean, it's one of my favorite pieces of dialogue in the whole movie. It's it's chilling to listen to, right? Um, I, I try to think optimistically about people in general. I mean, at least until they give me a reason to believe otherwise. But it's it's really difficult to refute anything in this statement. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we are so capable of decency and goodness, but our history and shit that we're still doing to this day is so checkered and so ugly that I completely understand where this cynical statement comes from. Absolutely. I agree. Especially if you're, if it's a snapshot, like what you know of these, if all you know is horrible people, then that's a yeah. pretty, you know, easy way to, to think. <laughs> like, it, I, 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 go ahead, Zach. I was just going to say, you know, like we touched on earlier with with climate change, there are so many people that not even necessarily dis- disagree or they don't believe in it. It's just a lot of people are like, well, I don't fucking care. And, you know, we're like, well, it's not about our generation. It's about saving the planet for the next generations. And they're like, whatever. I think just that <laughs> idea is, is yeah, beware the beast of man. It's, it's fucking crazy to me. And it makes me so mad. And it's so selfish. And boomers for an example are 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 a big reason for this and you know Mm -hmm. oh when i was when i was there i had one job and i could buy a house and and i could buy a wife and i could buy all these things and buy a wife you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and um and and we're looking at things you know they'd smoke a pack a day and whatever and now we're trying to live healthy and we're trying to not buy a house right off the bat because it's insanely expensive and school is insanely expensive but their reasoning is just like, well, whatever, we fucked it up. Like when 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 we get old, I don't think we're gonna have social security, honestly. But uh, we can thank the boomers for a lot of that, and I won't go into that too much. But sure. oh, yeah. man is pretty awful, and um, I think this is a very very good line from the Sacred Scroll- <laughs> Scrolls. Yeah, and it, and it keeps going. So let's let's go back to the beginning where Taylor is is sending his message back to Starfleet or Star Command or Houston or wherever <laughs> the fuck. Um, but uh, one more thing: if anybody's listening, that is nothing scientific, just purely personal. But seen from out here, everything seems different. Time bends, space is boundless. It squashes a man's ego. I feel lonely. That's about it. Tell me though, does man, that marvel of the universe, that glorious paradox who sent me to the stars, still make war against his brother, keep his neighbor's children starving? Do you think that we as a species will ever change? Or are we pretty much <laughs> fucked and you know just going through the motions? I think we're fucked and going through the motions. It's I really want change and I'm trying everything in my power, but I'm Obama. But I, <laughs> thanks, Obama. But I am one in, you know, six billion or however many. And so it's um, yeah, there you go. And it's I can only do so much. And I, I, I unfortunately don't think that things are, are, are going to change. We're, we're trying to make baby steps in the right direction, but I think we're, we've already fucked up so much that it's hard to course correct. It's really hard to course correct. We've been talking about, again, climate change for, for a couple decades, and people are now starting to take it more serious. It's pretty crazy, man. It is crazy. Yeah. But, but you, know, you know, keep his neighbor's children starving. I think that's, there's two sides to that. There's, you know, us helping, uh, I say us, but like, you know, donating to other countries and, and clean water. Uh, you know, that's that's a big thing right now is, is you need water to survive. You need food to survive. And if, if me sending a couple of bucks here or there will help, 
happy to do it. But then I also have next door neighbors. You know, I'm like literally my neighbor. If they need yeah. anything from me, they they can have it. I mean, I am I am perfectly fine with with when I look at my paycheck and I see X amount of dollars removed from it to go to the federal government. I am okay with that money going to 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 pay for people's medical bills to to make sure that they they can yep. kids can go to school that they have shoes that they that they are are safe they uh, whatever to it needs to be one hundred percent. I I get irritated when that money is spent on other things like you know our like a president flying to to fucking Florida to go play golf or something like that. That kind of <laughs> shit bothers me when I could easily just say here here's here's you know hundred bucks. You know, put this in in the in the kids need to eat fund, or make sure that every kid has shoes. And I know that there are programs, and but it's just impossible to track where all this money goes. And mm-hmm, that's yeah. what I have a problem with. I hate that there's no accountability piece. I want to know where my money is going. And that's the problem with a lot of mm-hmm. uh, philanthropies or philanthropists, where they have tax write offs or have these things to. It's kind of like. Um, it feels like an empty gesture in certain settings or when you donate money to a big corporation like, uh, God, what Susie, not Susie G. Coleman, the breast, the American breast cancer society or whatever it is. And when you donate to them, a lot of that shit is, is filtered through. And I mean, people are still lining their pockets with that. It's like, what is this money actually going to? What, how am I affecting change here? Am I just like getting someone a candy bar on their lunch break or am I actually helping to fight or to, develop a, a cure for cancer basically right so 100 yeah i know it, it's crazy I, I was um it's a little off topic but like i was watching this video a guy i used to work with his name is luis and he is actually going to armenia to to help boost their economy because uh you can be a part of uh all that they do and they take new people and they like the new ideas they they're startups there's all kinds of cool stuff to help the economy and you're literally helping the country uh whereas me you know, when I want to help somebody, I might go, uh, you know, when I'm downtown or whatever, and I see people that are starving, I'll just go into a restaurant, buy a bunch of food and then give it to them. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. If I yeah. go to somebody with a sign that's starving outside of Target, I'll pick up some groceries for them and hand it to them as I'm leaving. Stuff like that. Like that's that's mm-hmm. my way of helping starving people because I know that my money went directly to them. Does that make yeah, sense? Man. Yeah. Yeah. If I can circle us back here just a just a hair. <laughs> sure. We get a little um, off topic. <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm, I am well aware. Uh, <laughs> um, if I, I'll just hit this in two different ways. Um, the quote passage, whatever you want to call it from the movie itself, where he's musing that seen from out here, everything seems different. Time bends, space is boundless, squashes a man's ego. I feel like for when this movie is made, this section is very, very much informed by uh, the space program in the 60s, the Apollo program, Um, because this is something very similar to what you heard, uh, not just from astronauts then, but even astronauts today, that, you know, the first time they go into space and see the world from orbit, everything that is such a conflict here seems so petty and so small. Shit. (laughs) um so i mean i feel like that is in a big way what informed that bit of dialogue right there um but to to come back to the question of whether we will change or whether we're screwed and going through the motions i'm going to take the positive uh point of view here (laughs) i appreciate that we need that um I, i kind of you know i i get frustrated i get aggravated like everybody else but i do kind of feel like hope springs eternal 
Um, we have our problems. We have always had our problems, but realistically now is the best time in history to have ever lived. Now lifespans are the longest they've ever been. The medicine is, is the best it's ever been. Respect for human rights is the best it's ever been. We don't go to war with Troy over abducting someone's wife and raise a city to the ground. <laughs> no, we just do it for oil now. <laughs> We're not uh, as good at everything as we should and can be, but we're better than we used to be. We learn, we improve, we progress. Um, and coming back to the 60s again, and to borrow a phrase from a wiser man than me, uh, the moral arc of the universe is long but bends toward justice. I like your optimism, Rob. I do too. I am a negative Nancy. I want to be a positive Pete. It's hard. So it's hard, man. Especially like when you see the shit here and it's every day. It's like, oh my God, another shooting, another this. And people are having, they're cheering when a town says, we're not going to do masks anymore. It's just, it's, it's such a captious nature here and it is so brutal. And sometimes you just have to kind of push yourself away. I will agree with you that this is quite a time to be alive where, you know, when we were, when I'm 44, I'm not going to look like Charlton Heston. I'm going to look like how I look now. That's 10 years from now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the advancements in medicine and technology and all that kind of stuff are, are a win. So I, I, I agree with you in, in that, in that sentiment. It's just very hard to be positive when you see so much negativity around us. Yeah. 100%. All right. So the, thank you both for those answers. Uh, the second line of dialogue in the film goes now on full automatic and in the hands of computers. And I was like, immediately just like, <laughs> Oh fuck, dude. So what are your thoughts on being so dependent on technology? Like the idea of convenience in everyday life and scientific innovation is great and all, but do we lose something in the process of trying to make our lives better? Um, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're trying to do. I, I believe in automation in, in certain settings, but for the most part, I mean, I think if you can be e efficient, so it's like self-driving cars, I think they're incredibly efficient because in a perfect world, traffic would be reduced substantially because you're taking out the human element of it. You're taking out the guy who's sitting in the left lane going 60 miles per hour and everyone's trying to pass him, but then you're also taking away the person who's on the cell phone texting and then boom, they rear end somebody. So I think that that automation can be a really, a really beautiful thing. Um, technology can be a beautiful thing, but it can, it can also be pretty, um, it can be pretty harmful in certain settings where we look at kids now and parents will just give them an iPad and they can sit on the iPad and, and watch YouTube videos of kids unboxing presents. If they were watching YouTube videos of, of videos like geography and learning shit, I think that'd be cool. But I, I think there's ebbs and flows to it for sure. Um, as a, as well, a, I don't know. So the thing is, I don't want to speak about a parent doing that because right. I might, I might do that. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, no, <laughs> and, 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 and I guess, I guess I should, I should, I should say this caveat. Like I'm never going to tell a parent how to parent their child. For me though, if, if that becomes a situation where that's all you do as a default for, going to a restaurant or something like that, then I, I think it becomes, it becomes an issue. Um, when, and if I have kids, like I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, we're never going to McDonald's. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, we're going to McDonald's. You're a kid. You can have this stuff. You can do these things, but all in moderation, I think is, is what I'm trying to get at. And so, yeah, so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, I was agreeing. I was just saying, yeah. Oh, so I think yeah. all in moderation, you know, and, um, 
I, I, I'm, I'm a person who's connected to my phone, connected to technology. It's, it, it's a part of life. It makes life a lot easier. There are some, some things, shortcuts that are, are designed to be a shortcut that I actually just don't take because I feel like it's pointless. So like using Siri, and I better be careful saying it because it's probably going <laughs> to pop up, but I don't use it. And I know a lot of people that do that, and I feel like they spend more time trying to correct it to say pick up milk from it to being like pick a bilk mm-hmm. or something. And they spend way more time trying to correct that when I can just text somebody really quick. But I like in, in yeah. Road Trip when he says, that's because it was, that's because it's a shortcut. If it were easy, then it would just be the way. Exactly. <laughs> First thing I thought of was a shortcut. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that's, those are my thoughts on technology. Sure. I mean, I think, so you brought up a cell phone and I think that's interesting because you know, you can go to a restaurant or any any place. You can go to your office. You can go to the airport, uh, train station, whatever. And you look around, and everybody's just on their phone. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what's going on. There's videos of, of of people just walking out in the street on their phone, getting hit by cars because mm-hmm. they're just so disconnected from the rest of the world because of their phone. And the real irony would be is that they have GPS telling them where to go, and then they're just walking into the street and then getting hit by a car. <laughs> but I mean, I do think that it's just crazy. And like, I think televisions were one of those things. You know, like we all get together as a family and we watch TV, and that was really special and it was fun. I mean, I remember doing that with like uh, whether it be like the Cosby Show or, or Family Ties. You know, like just those weird programs that were on late at night that everyone watched. You know, as a family, and then. Then you get the person that just only sits on the couch and watches TV all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned moderation, and that's that's a perfect example. Like, you know, the whole idea of a couch potato that became a term because someone was just a fucking zombie staring at the TV <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And then now we have this binge culture where where we have to watch every like all fucking twenty two episodes in one afternoon or something. <laughs> and and it's so crazy how our lives are literally changing by the second because of these technological advances and not all of them in a good way. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on that? This is one I did not have an answer prepared for ahead of time because I was having a hard time sorting through my feelings on this. Um, I think both of you have hit on a lot of uh, really important, really valid points on the subject. Um, and I don't have a ton to add here, except perhaps for the the danger of becoming dependent and the danger of addiction to it, um, even if you're not necessarily conscious of it. I mean, have you tried turning off your phone and putting it in a drawer for the weekend? It's, ridic- it's ridiculously awesome. hard, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is, once you can get yourself through that, it is really, uh, at least personally, I find it really rewarding to be able to go through the weekend without constantly wondering if something is, uh, you know, happening on this little box in my pocket <laughs> every five minutes. And You're that missing kind of, out. That, <laughs> that kind of, um, that kind of gets me thinking of of um what else are we skipping out and missing on because of this yeah no 100 like i don't ever want to not be there for my kids because i'm fucking looking at my twitter feed you know anytime i see rizzo come up to me and i'm on my phone i literally just throw my phone away i'm okay let's go play outside because i don't want to not be there for her because i just need to read stupid tweets it's so stupid It's, it's ridiculous that 
even if I just checked it three seconds ago and nothing has really changed, but I still go back. I got to look at it. I know. It's, it's so it's, weird. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And it's such uh, a difficult habit to break. It really is. I and think. so like, you know, I'm just thinking like when I'm, when I'm sitting around dinner table as a family, you know, when, when I was a kid, we would literally, this is when our family would talk to each other. You know, we weren't in our rooms playing with our toys. We were at the dinner table actually talking about things like our day or asking our parents questions. And, and they were always pretty, pretty open. And so we could ask them anything. It was really great conversation. And it was usually only for like 30 minutes or whatever, but it was really cool. And I would love to find a way to replicate that. But I'm just so scared that it's going to be one of those things where everyone's living their own lives. And and what would be even more sad is if that my child's life is watching some other asshole on YouTube open up presents <laughs> or play a video game. I'm like, dude, you have your own video games. Go play your fucking video game. Why are you watching this guy? Go play your own. And yeah, like, no. I, I do. I do find it a little bit sad in a way that that culture of, uh, "Hey, Rob, go outside and play. Don't come back until the streetlights come on." That that kind of thing is just gone. It's not a thing at all anymore. No, it's crazy. We would get lot. We, me and my buddies, we hop on our bikes and we would just ride, like we were the wild boys in fucking in Fury Road, and it was yeah, awesome. My, my neighborhood, we'd play like hide and go seek and manhunt just around the neighborhood, and it would keep us entertained for hours and no phones <laughs> yeah there you go. come back for dinner or whatever yeah i know isn't that crazy or or god forbid you get to go out trick-or-treating and oh and yeah it's nighttime <laughs> <laughs> yeah now kids go to like malls and stores that's a shop yeah. that's crazy just it is to me too a lot to think about all right so moving on uh we're almost done here I apologize for all these questions, but this movie really got me thinking, and I love your guys' answers. I'm trying really hard not to answer them myself. <laughs> I wanted you guys to answer. Um, so those of you that watch The X-Files know that the truth is out there, but people like fucking Dr. Zayas want to cover it up. And, uh, you know, his people are knee-deep in their beliefs, and their whole way of life could be in danger if science were to disprove their sacred scrolls. Is he wrong? You know, should people know the truth if it could destroy the very foundation for their way of life? I guess the devil is in the details, right? Exactly. Um, of what the uh, what exactly the fallout of the truth is going to be. I mean, revolutionary change can, of course, dramatically improve a society very quickly, but revolutions also have a way of hurting a whole hell of a lot of people who otherwise might have led long, happy lives. Exactly. But then you circle back to, is ignorance bliss? Maybe. Um, Cypher in the Matrix. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw something uh, just a couple days ago that's kind of been stuck in my brain for the last few days. And I, I don't know whether it was a real quote or just like some moron on Twitter or whatever. But it was something to the effect of if it can be destroyed by the truth, it should be destroyed by the truth. And I think there is something interesting and there, there's something, uh, there's some merit to that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think so. I, I, I always I, think that honesty is the best policy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't have, I mean, honesty is obviously the best policy dealing with people face to face, but if you're going to uproot an entire society's way of life, it, a little bit more complicated and i don't know yeah. if there is a clear-cut answer to this question mm -hmm. yeah so in, in dr zayas's case the idea that that man came first uh that they they have the potential to be uh in charge of them again you know if they were to evolve or given a chance 
um, I think that he is protecting his people and he thinks that he's doing what's right. I mean, especially when he would have to go up against oh, yeah. all the other uh, elders and yeah, sure. they live in a world where you'd be tried for heresy and you would be murdered. So, yeah. I mean, he's in, in his own weird way. He is protecting Zira and Cornelius. Yeah. And even yeah. just in terms of fiction, the most interesting villains are the ones who don't think they're villains. They think they're doing the right thing. And that's exactly what Zayas is in this movie. Right. 100%. I agree. I, I mean, do you have, any, do you have anything to add, Zach? No, that was very well said. I think that's, you do have to be very careful. And, and it's hard for us as just, just peasants trying to say, um, that you, man, you, I am a baron. that you should always that you should always <laughs> tell the truth and i agree with you honesty is the best but there are certain settings where and i always think of we've had like three liar liar references already but in liar liar when he's like you know when mom was pregnant and she asked if i look like if i look fat i'm not gonna say you look like a giant cow you know because that would hurt her feelings <laughs> and so i think it, it little little um I guess fabrications like that uh, aren't as is the word you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I, and I was trying to stray away from white lies because I'm, I'm trying to think of, I have other examples in my head and I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily a white lie, but, um, but anyhow, I agree with you, Rob, if, if it's something that could cause an, an uprising, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know necessarily if, if, if it is, if we, if we should know the truth and. Right. So yeah. in, in, with, with, in the case of Planet of the Apes, you know, we are seeing humans being tortured, mutilated, murdered, slain in the wild. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, if this information were to get out, then they could find a way to coexist. Uh, but the teachings are that, going back up a couple of notes here, that man is the worst. <laughs> Paraphrasing. Yeah. Man is bad. <laughs> really? <laughs> that man is bad. <laughs> and so, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of having this same sort of uh, vibe when it comes to animals. You know, I want people to know the truth about what happens to animals. You know, I want them to know what their chicken nugget is made out of. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, uh, I'm kind of... I'm on this weird side of it where you know I want all this truth to be out there. I would rather uh you know all these restaurants no longer serve meat. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I am. Uh like I know that sounds absurd and weird and it's never going to happen and that's fine and I'm uh, I'm I I come off as a crazy person when you're listening to this, but I mean when I see these videos of chicks on conveyor belts that just go down this grinder and then that's your fucking chicken nugget, that grosses me out. And I don't <laughs> want my kid eating that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where my head's at. And it's it sounds weird. It sounds absurd. And and I get it. I'm a, I'm a fucking crazy person. But um, if if people just knew, you know, I, I, they can make their choice after they know the truth, I guess is the best way to put it. I want people to know uh, what's going on so that they can make their decision. Uh, and if they want to continue to go this way, then that's fine. But at least they know where it comes from. Right on. Well said. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, weirdly, pop. thematically, that is how the Matrix Revolution ends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like free will versus choice because I choose to. So what did you think of the ending? Were you, I guess, Zach, this is more for you first. Um, you know, were you spoiled by pop culture references or was it a surprise to see the Statue of Liberty all blown to hell and discover that Taylor was on Earth this whole time? 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was definitely not surprised just because of I was spoiled by that was one of the most famous references ever, you know, like I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, I mean, I, I fuck, I watched The Simpsons as a kid and, and I'd never seen Planet of the Apes and I was like, oh, OK, I get it now. And then obviously through everything, I learned it. But it's still surprisingly at the end, I think because I was my mind was I was had a lot of questions and I see it and I think they presented it in a really interesting way. And I try to picture myself if I was in the theaters in the 60s watching this, I would have been like, whoa, holy shit. Like, you know, it was it was it was us all along. We blew up the damn world, basically. Um, and like Rob said earlier, I think this was an entertainment piece um, for certain people. So I don't think they really thought anything of maybe I should drive less to uh, reduce carbon emissions or maybe I should make love and not war. Um, but <laughs> it definitely still has a lasting effect, which is so fascinating. So, yeah, I think it's a really good twist ending um, when you can remove yourself from it, uh, from mm-hmm. from from it being outdated, I should say. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, kind of the same page. It's 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 hard to avoid spoilers for a movie that came out, uh, I think, 17 years before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the spoiler statute of limitation is is long past. Uh <laughs> But I mean, it's such a good ending that you know, I kind of wish I could uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, my brain of the memories, so I could watch it fresh and be rocked by that ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even even knowing it's coming, no matter how many times I see the movie, uh, I keep saying this word today, but it's just a chilling way to end the movie. Um, and uh, it really underscores uh, the moment for me that there's actually no music at the end. Um, once he realizes what the statue is and the camera pa- starts panning back, there's no music. There is just the sound of the waves crashing on the shore and it hangs there for a second and it fades to black and the credits roll and all the way until the end of the credits, the waves are still crashing on the shore. Mm-hmm. It's, it is so ominous. It's a little bit emotionally exhausting. And I, I think it's just a, fabulous way to end this movie mm-hmm. you kind of have to sit there in your own filth a little bit yeah, yeah. Sit there in your own sick <laughs> yeah you really do yeah, i know i know believe me I, so i actually saw i saw planet of the apes before i saw Spaceballs, and uh i was a kid both times but it was great to get the Spaceballs reference when i saw it i was like oh my god it's fucking planet of the apes and i thought that was so funny that i got that uh, I was pretty lucky. I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before. My dad always just made me fucking sit down and watch movies. He, he might as well have had like a clockwork orange fucking chair and TV for me because he was always just like, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this movie, watch this movie. This movie's so cool. <laughs> and um, Planet of the Apes was one of them. I mean, he was a big Charlton Heston fan. And uh, I don't quite know why, but he was, that was like who, you know, he grew up watching on TV, I guess is how that worked out. So. Um, yeah, I'm always watching like Inferno and fucking um, Soylent Green and all these movies. Like it's made of people. It's people. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, it's basically you blow it up. He's like, damn you. It's like his his go to angry voice. People are people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why should it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, my goodness. So I mean. Planet of the Apes, this movie is fucking incredible. Like like Rob, I watched it as a child over and over and over again. On the weekends, a lot of times it would have just all of them on TV. It would just be like a marathon. 
and and I would sit through all of it. Sometimes it would just be like the movie of the week, and it would act like Monday through Friday, basically showing uh, it was the movie at eight, you know, and be over by ten. And I, you know, I was a kid, but I didn't have a bedtime. It was kind of weird, but um, I would literally get to watch these movies when they were on, and I and I loved it so much. Sit through the commercials, I didn't care. I had to watch Planet of the Apes as a kid. And when it was on on the weekends, I was there for it. I wasn't going outside. I was sitting at home, uh, eating my popsicles because it was the desert and it was hot. And and I, I loved Planet of the Apes. I could literally watch any one of the five right now. I prefer to watch them in order, but if someone just had to watch, you know, whatever, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, that's just, I love them so much. They're so goddamn good. Uh, final thoughts, Rob. Um. There is something that you see a lot more in older science fiction than newer science fiction, maybe just because of editing. Um, And that's uh, when a movie drops a lot of unanswered questions. And there are a bunch of these in this movie that uh, stand out to me every time I see it. Like, uh, I think it's Dodge at one point says there's no moon, but we find out this is Earth. So where the hell is the moon? Hmm. Um, There's the the broad daylight, thunder and lightning. There's Nova, who is supposed to be an illiterate human, gets down on her knees to wipe out writing on the ground. Why? Does that have something to do with Dr. Zayas thinking there's a more advanced tribe of humans living out there somewhere? Um, So, I mean... The movie itself is brilliant and does all kinds of fantastic things, but I think it just bumps it up that little bit much more that they can take the few extra seconds to breathe and put stuff out there that kind of gets the gears turning in addition to telling its killer story. Um, This is one of my all-time favorite movies of any genre at all. Um, this this is easily a ten out of ten for me. Sweet, wow! All right, Zach, why don't you tell Rob how much you hate this fucking movie and how you never want to watch it again? <laughs> it stinks! It stinks! I hated it. No, um, you know, so I went into it knowing what I know from it, and watching it, I was kind of bored, honestly. But I think when I sat and thought about it more, um. I was because I had questions when I was watching it and I'm like, okay, maybe this will get answered. And it definitely did. Um, And I think, again, as I kind of sat on things longer, I'm like, oh, that was great. That was actually really topical. And I totally appreciate it. Aside from a couple of little nitpicks that I had here and there. Yeah, I I thought it was really great. One thing I wanted to point out, too, that I forgot to discuss earlier that came to mind was when we were talking about the the sacred scrolls, the reading from that, you know, beware the beast man. So Taylor and and his crew dodging them when they first see the the primitive humans eating corn and doing all these things they all three of the men are talking and they're they're basically talking about how they can conquest these people they should be easy yeah. to overtake this is the and, best they got we should own this planet yeah in, you know a couple of weeks and that's the ignorance of man and ultimately was probably what led to the downfall it's it's you know we're, we're boys with big toys and we'll blow things up and stuff. So I thought that that was very foreshadowing. And I thought it was really great. So that is a really good thought. Yeah. And and this movie is not something that I need to revisit um, like immediately, but I would like to watch it again for sure. Um, I think it's it was an interesting choice to make the um, the female co-pilot die before she's even, you know, even has an, an acting or a line in the movie they could have easily made that a man, but I, I'm curious on why they made that a female. 
That was just I have a feeling that was a 60s thing, because if you look at the crew of that ship, it's the female who dies at the beginning, and then the black guy who gets killed. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking too. So Yeah, huh. it's, it's, it stands out um, pretty clearly in this day and age. It's, it's a little unfortunate, yeah. Um, and, and his love interest was going to be Nova. Yeah, who didn't you know, who, yeah. who didn't talk. <laughs> there is a possibility if they had this other woman on screen, then it would who's a blonde woman, uh, you know, very Hollywood. Um maybe it would look weird if she's not the love interest. Yeah. And they didn't want to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Like with, with you know, bullets. <laughs> so for me for a ranking for this, I, I'd probably give this an A minus, and it's it's more just because um, I had some issues with things and I really try to disassociate myself. You know, I think there are some things that just didn't age well. I think Charlton Heston is how I would imagine Charlton Heston would be. And he seems kind of misogynistic in this role. But I honestly, I know, I, I know that that was the times. It doesn't excuse it, but I'm just saying as a whole for me watching it this late in life, I, that's, it, it knocks it down a little bit. But all the thematic okay. elements to me are, are what really set it over the top. Right. So like even when the, when the gorillas come and start attacking, on their horses and everyone's running. Taylor grabs Nova's hand like, hey, let me save you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, guy. I know. <laughs> Who are you? Get out of here. I know my way around this cornfield. Yeah. I don't need no I'm man. This shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's something I never even noticed until this viewing. Yeah. I've seen this movie a thousand times and I just never paid attention to that. And I was like, oh, look at that. And he grabs her hand. Well, there you go. She's like, shove off, guy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm, I'm with um, I'm with Rob on this one. This is an A plus for me. Fucking love these movies. I will always watch them. Um, I think the first one is my favorite one. Uh, yeah. But interestingly enough, I think I've seen uh, three and five the most. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> that is weird. Super weird. But it was one of those things where if it was on TV, I would just watch from wherever I started. You know, that was like pre DVDs, right, with chapters and things like that, and so. I would literally just if, if if I came into the middle of a marathon and it was on three, then I would watch it. Um, and then four, I always thought four was just kind of weird, like, uh, you know, yeah. present day ish. And, and I, I really like four. Um, have you have you seen the uh, the fixed ending one that's on the Blu-rays? No, it's a lot more dark at the end. Or um, he's standing on the steps telling them the way it's going to be. Yeah, um, you know how the, the theatrical version ends on kind of a conciliatory note that we can learn to live together? Uh, no, that that was apparently a studio mandate. Um, it was going to end a lot more brutally, like, no, we're in charge now, and it makes the movie a whole lot better. Oh, I'm sure, especially after they got, they're getting tortured for 90 goddamn minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're going to live together in harmony? Eat a dick, dude. They would totally not be that way. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your, your final thoughts there. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's totally fine. And I think that's that might have been what my problem was with four. I'm like, why are you going to sit there and be friends with these people that have been beating you for, for your entire, some of these people, some of these gorillas and apes, like their entire life. Like the whole thing opens like, you know, there was a, a plague. They killed what? Dogs and cats, right? So they tried to domesticate apes is what they were doing right and and then they go through this 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 facility with these armed guards and they're getting beaten and it's a prison it's literally like a prison it's, yeah and this, they're all they're all dressed like jackbooted nazis right and, and yeah that's that exactly true they're all these nazis with guns that are are in, like you know basically 
controlling these apes and, and, and there's fear. And it's literally done like a prison, a 1970s version of what the future prisons are going to look like. And uh, it was kind of hard for me to watch, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it several times, but the ending always bothered me. Like, there's no fucking way that these apes are going to hang out with, with these people and, and play board games and have game night. I'm like, eat a dick, dude. They would beat them down like a sweet muffin. Oh, and shit. Never they well with me. And which is probably why I like Five so much, because it's literally the war, right? Like, it, it's it's man's last stand, and they fail. And I fucking love that. Um, not because I hate all humans or anything like that. I just, for the sake of of this movie and this story, they have gone through quite a bit. It was, it was a journey <laughs> and uh, I liked how it ended. I thought it was very much on par with how it should have ended. Whereas it could have been a little bit more Hollywood and, and changed where, where the humans won, but we, this is more of a prequel, right? So it doesn't really work out that way, but I was on board. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, the, that comment at the beginning said a near perfect movie and, and as much discussion as we've had with this, um, I talk about this on, on our, on our skate pod podcast, the more conversation I can get from a star Trek episode, the more I like it. And this has been one of our longer episodes and I really enjoy this movie. It's very much a part of my childhood. I, I'm sad that I didn't get to have little planet of the apes toys when I was a kid, because I would have played <laughs> with them uh, to the end of the end of my days. But I love this series, love this movie, and uh, I give it an A plus across the board. Nice. So well, thank you very much, Rob, for, for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Had it was fun. a blast. All you had to do was invite yourself on and just kind of show up. Are <laughs> <laughs> like, we talking apes today? All right, I got this. All right, shit. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, you are an absolute delight, and you're welcome back anytime. Cool. And Mr. Zach, you want to take us out? Yeah. Again, thank you, Rob. It's been a blast. It's been a blast to uh, converse with you as opposed to typing with you. (laughs) For a change. (laughs) Right? So cool. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Thank you to our neighbor of the North, Mr. Hockey-loving, poutine-loving Rob. And uh, remember, he he knows French, too. He did not skip class in education. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, at ZachDale60, and at Digifluid. Uh, Rob, do you have another um, handle on there, too? Uh, yeah, my other one is at Digi1701, and that's the one I spend a lot of time nerding out on, and I made separately so I wasn't annoying everybody on the other account. <laughs> Nerds! It's okay. We, we, we still love you. Um, you can share all of your thoughts with us there, and we're, we will discuss them on our show. We like uh, we like the back and forth witty banter and memes. Gotta love the memes. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Mr. Stephen K. James. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.